Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident rower or sculler who is respected by your peers. You can become the athlete you want to row with. I'm Rebecca Caro, and I'm joined by Marlene Royal. Hello, Rebecca, and hello to our Faster Masters audience. And nice to see one. everyone. <laughs> yeah. it's, we're kind of feeling, you know, it's that bit in January where you're getting back into the swing of things, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. People are starting to say, okay, I'm doing my ERG testing. I'm doing my ERG testing this week. And, you know, they it took them that first week of January to kind of get over the holidays and they start, you yeah. start feeling fat and puffy and you've got to like get moving again. So my worst thing of that first week after the holidays is I have what's called holiday brain, where you go into a meeting and you're like, I can't remember the last thing we discussed because it was like three weeks ago. What I have my notes from the meeting and I'm like, oh, my God. And, and my powers of recall are really slowed down. Intoxicated. They're intoxicated, right? That's when you're happy that you took really good notes, honestly, because as David Allen says, getting things done, your brain is not for remembering things. Your brain is not a storage bin. So get it all down on paper. Oh, I see. Okay. I, I yeah, do don't try that. to remember things, but you know, when you have that, when you have those quick notes, yeah. you can recall because you know, you won't remember. No, that's exactly right. That's totally true. Right, before we go on to more stuff, I want to show you my glorious photo for the day. So this was from Saradin Mohammed Amin, and he's from Malaysia. And the rowing club he's at is called Kelab Tasik Putrajaya. And they're in front of this amazing temple, uh, or maybe a mosque. Wow. On a lake. I mean, I thought when I first saw it that maybe it was Srinagar Lake in northern India, but but I looked it up and it's not. Isn't that glorious? That is amazing. As far as, you know, places to row, you know, we, we should we should so get our bucket list going. We should have a public bucket list for Rebecca and Marlene. Where would we like <laughs> to go rowing? So this past week, this is the part of the show where we talk about the things that we've been doing to advocate more generally for Masters Rowing. I'm going to hand the bat on to Marlene to kick off with this one. What we did this week, well, I had a great conversation with Will Ruth today um, of the Science of Rowing magazine journal. And um, we talked about um, he in their next month's issue they're they're talking about a study that compares responsive strength training in women um, in their 30s women who are perimenopause and then women who are postmenopause so it's a study about um, strength training with well-trained women which is something different than we usually see because usually we're seeing studies um, that are done in untrained individuals. So in this case, that was done um, with trained individuals, and we had a really good talk about where strength training fits in, how how I manage strength training in my programs with the athletes that we work with. Um, so that will be coming up in their February issue, I believe, of Science of Rowing. Fantastic. 
And for this week, for me, I've been running a Learn to Single Skull class uh, for my own club, uh, just regular members who haven't been in singles ever before or very little. And it's a pretty intense five days where we went from the finish to the start of the recovery to mid-recovery to the power and lastly to the catches. So five days, drills and skills for an hour and a quarter. So it's quite a short outing. And the thing I did, which I'm most proud of, and I learned from Marlene, is you kick off the outing with everybody getting their boats into a circle with the sterns all pointing into the middle. And then as the coach, you obviously had kind of eye contact and you can talk to everybody. But Marlene, you have a particular name for this. Oh, yes. I call it the morning toast. So in, in my morning groups, I like that each person has to touch the stern of each person in the group. And only once everybody has touched the stern of each other can we start. But it's a really nice way because everyone's close together. People are facing each other. They can hear what you're saying. And, uh, you know, and then they disperse and then we, we go on with the class. But it's a, you know, they, they get it becomes a habit that you yeah. feel a little bit lost if you don't do it. <laughs> so it, it is really good for teaching maneuvering skills. So I had three people on the course who have rowed but and sculled, but never been in a single skull. And so by the end of the week, they could back down and do minor, you know, boat manipulation so that they could get their boat into the mm -hmm. right place in the circle. And it was, it was really fun. Yeah, it is. It is fun. It is fun. And then, I haven't mastered, this might be like next season, somehow I've got to master like how we can keep our sterns in contact and start to rotate the star. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't, I've figured this out, but synchronized okay. sculling. You know, when you're swimming and you can just be upright and you use your hands, they call it sculling when you kind of make an S shape with your hands. I wonder if you could do it just with your, put your arms over the top of the blades and you could like just paddle on one side of the blade with one arm. I don't know. I don't know. We've got to try it. Rotate it. I know. There's got to be a way to do it. And actually, that's sculling when you when you scull your boat sideways up to the dock. Yeah. I have never mastered that. Like Jamie Gordon is the king of that, but I've never mastered that. So like, I'll come teach you. It's okay. Not that All right. All right. I'm just there's some things I'm a spaz at. You could. You could also. Um, put one of your blades onto the deck, the stern deck, or onto the lap of the rower next to you, so that actually the boats are connected. Oh, can I tell you something really funny? Maybe I think our viewers are. We do things like that at Craftsbury, like because we want, we, you know, they do the comfort in the boat. They do, you know, we do all kinds of skills because you, you want people to learn learn how to do things that are beyond just you know, la la la, the regular stroke components. So. So we do all kinds of tricks and acrobatics and things like that. And um, one time I connected 16 singles so with a cox. So, so one person was turned their single around and then we had all the singles come together and like you put, we, we had eight on port and eight on starboard rowing. And then the other oar was just across, across the boat oh. of the person next to you. And we rode um, 1,500 meters from the the um, Hosmer Point, which is which is one of our bays, through the Narrows, all the way down to the dock, with 16 singles 
holding each other together like this. So we rode like this serpentine of centipede of, of eight, uh, 16. We had eight and eight plus a coxswain. It was fantastic. Did you get out to full slide or was it just arms only? They rode a little bit like quarter slide, you know, cause, yeah. because there were oars going across. So depending mm -hmm. where that was happening, but yeah, we actually, we actually like went pretty far. That's <laughs> great. It's probably like the Stampfly 24. <laughs> yes, I know. I've never rode in that, but but it, it makes its tours once in a while. But that that was, you know, fun tricks like that are really, really good for boat skills and just learning learning how to do things. Yeah. Yeah. I think being able to do circus tricks in your boat is a, a good sign of confidence, you know, man plus machine kind of thing. Now, this week, we want to talk about cross-training and also about setting your body angle off the finish. Uh, but we're going to kick off with cross-training first. At least half of our listeners, probably closer to two-thirds, are in the Northern Hemisphere. And so you're into winter training where the weather may be somewhat more unreliable and being able to get on the water is limited. And this is the time of your season where more people tend to do cross-training, I think. So, Marlene, this is your topic. Take us into cross-training. Okay. Well, first I would say, I think that there's a few ways to define cross-training. Technically, we could consider the ERG cross-training because it's rowing-like, but as we know, the dynamics of what happens, particularly on a stationary indoor rower are different from the boat as well as a dyna dynamic indoor rower versus the boat. So to some degree, erging is a form of cross training. But in this, for our particular discussion, we're not going to refer to erging as cross training, though I do think that erging actually is cross training for rowing. But let's refer to other non-rowing motions um, for our cross training. It's good to incorporate different things. One, if you're if you're erging and you're indoors, getting outside in the fresh air is really critical. Whether it's walking, it's running, it's going cross country skiing, snowshoeing. Um, I think that that psychological break and just getting out into the fresh air is is really, really important. Couple of things I think you have to be careful with with cross training. If you start doing some activities that are new to you. Treat that like a transition. And we've talked about transitions before, that transitions are when people tend to get injured because they're moving in ways that they're not quite prepared for. So if you start a new activity, you start cross-country skiing, you start running maybe in the winter. Some people run in the winter. Just have you know go into it gradually so that you give your body and those different muscles and joints time to adapt to things. That's one thing that's important. I would use your cross training. Now, do we, here comes another one, strength training. Is it cross training? Yes. It's another form of our cross training, though it's something that we incorporate all the time year round. Hopefully that's what we want you to do at least twice a week. Um, so I, I consider that is, that is a non, our non-rowing, right? So our land training, our strength training is one form of our cross training that builds into our rowing. If you're looking at aerobic type or other activities, a couple of things I think that are 
important to consider. One is reserve your, your higher intensity, harder work for rowing. Um, so, so if you're a competitive rowing, you want to be pretty sport specific here. So I would use your, my recommendation would be to use your cross training for your lower intensity work, your lower volume work and reserve that high intensity or your anaerobic threshold work up for I don't know if that's just Marlene who's cut out or whether it's me as well. I'm secretly hoping it's not me as well. Right, Marlene, you're you're back. Keep yeah, going. Something, so keep something going. Else um high intensity work, do it sports specific. Yes. Yeah, so so keep your, your rowing specific work, your higher intensity work, because that's what's going to help you in your competitive season. In your your lower intensity work. Do mixed activities. I highly recommend you do something on your feet, weight-bearing, multi-directional weight-bearing. This is really important for your bone density, not just for women, but for men too. So play tennis, go dancing, skate ski, ice skate, um, things that you play racquetball. These are really good things to include in your cross-training because they can be aerobic. They could, they could be, you know, racket sports are excellent for your coordination, moving in multi-directions. But I, I really would encourage if as much as possible to do something that's weight bearing versus, I mean, cycling. Um, cycling is a good way to build your volume, but you're really going to benefit from doing things that are on your feet, vertical. And multi multi-directional. So things like skating, dancing, tennis, racket sports, these are really, really good from that point of view. And it can be quite fun to try something new. We were talking in my class this morning about how rarely as adults we challenge ourselves to learn new things. And you know, going back to that childlike, oh yeah, sure, I'll just try this, you know, because kids will, and adults often won't for various reasons. But go and have some classes, hire a coach, you know, join a beginner's tennis club, club course. Why not? Yeah. Or look at things that, that would really benefit your rowing too, like a dance class, you know, learning, you know, a tango class, you know, learning how to walk, learning all the, all the principles of tango are the same as the principles of rowing from a posture point of view, from your posture from your elbows how you guide the motion so so there are things that other things that you can do that you know burn calories have fun learning improve your coordination that you you can take into the boat yeah i'm doing a 30 day yoga challenge right now i'm just on uh, coming up day four, 15 and so so do you have a do you have a video that you have to follow for that or okay yeah it's a it's a youtube channel and uh, you follow the video, but increasingly she builds up very carefully. 
So like we learned two or three key things in the first five days and then she starts stringing them together and adding kind of one new thing every two days, two, three days. But then she has very different focuses. So like one day will be called breathe and one will be open. So like yesterday was all about being really wide and sort of star shaped fingertip stretches and above head fingertip stretches and then a wide stance with your feet um, and then putting pressure when your feet are wide, putting pressure on the outside of your feet and then mm -hmm. bringing it to pressure on all four, she calls it all four corners of your feet. So it was really interesting learning different ways of checking, mm -hmm. can I make my body do this? Mm -hmm. and, and that is directly applicable to, to what you do in the boat. Yeah. It's that is fine motor skills in any sport will really advantage you in rowing. Good stuff. Well, that's cross-training sorted. I hope everybody's doing some wonderful things. <laughs> Our second topic is the body angle off the finish. And this is a very key area that we don't talk about very much. One of the reasons is that there are some stylistic differences with how different coaches address things. And depending on whether you're a beginner rower or sculler or more advanced, you might do it a little differently. And it is one of those things that I think genuinely varies through your rowing career. In the ideal, you set your body angle off the finish. Firstly, you're going to be leaning back in your finish position with your shoulders behind your hips. And then you're going to extend your arms, whether you're sweep or sculling. And then you're going to rock forwards. That's the fundamental part, isn't it, Marlene? That's what we're talking about, from going backward to leaning forwards. What's the guidance you offer people? Let's talk about the leaning backwards bit first. What guidance do you offer? Make sure that you don't lose contact with the foot stretcher. I think that that's number one. There, there are a couple of things that our whole rocking over motion, you can work, start working on that on land at first because it's a hip hinge. And so this is something you also use in strength training, but making sure that you're clear what hinging at the hip is versus flexing at the spine, because very different, difficult to set your body angle if you're flexing through your spine versus rocking over okay these are two di two different things but starting from the the inclined position the, i think that the two things that you want to look at for your posture one make sure that you don't lose contact with your foot stretchers and make sure you the the small of your back your lumbar spine doesn't collapse and we, we've talked about this before that if that lumbar spine starts if you get too far back, you've got too too much weight to the bow, and you're going to come back down on the fleshy part of your butt and down on your pockets. So if that low back starts to collapse, you've gone too far because you've got to hold the integrity of, of the low back position, and you have to hold the contact to your foot stretchers so you don't lose the boat. That's a really, really important point there. And one of the things that people forget when you talk about weight into bow, your bow of your boat 
will be sitting lower in the water. Firstly, it is low in the water anyway at the finish. And if you stay leaning back or you lean back too far, you're putting an additional mass into the bow section of your boat. So if you've divided your boat in half and half of it's the stern and half of it's the bow, through the rowing stroke cycle, the bow naturally rises up as you roll forwards towards the catch. As your body mass goes more and more towards the stern, the bow naturally rises. And as you do the power phase and you come through to the finish, the bow is gently dropping in the water. And one thing that I like to remind people of is if you stay leaning back for too long or you lean back too far and do it for too long, you increase the wetted surface area of your bow section of your boat and that is slowing the boat down. When you get onto the fit onto the recovery with weight on your feet your mass is transferring from leaning into bow to leaning toward the stern and then obviously as you roll forwards that increases and that lifts the pressure off the hull in the bow section and that is when the boat starts to plane and planing is what the boat's marine designer intends and if you are preventing planing you aren't helping yourself. <laughs> That's bad. And the other point is the finished position is the finished position. It is a finished position. It is not the finish of the stroke. It is not the release. So there is a difference between the finished position and then when the release takes place, which is, you know, the finish, what we're talking about, this position, checking your feet, checking your angle. If you exaggerate that position, it's going to be very difficult for you to properly set your body angle because you don't have time in the stroke. So if you go beyond that point that you're, you're not maintaining the integrity of your lower back, one, you're setting yourself up for some back issues, but it's also very difficult in the timing of the stroke you don't have enough time to get your body angle set. So it is of, of no advantage to go farther than that. Yeah. I had a, a lovely moment today. I was sculling alongside one of my athletes. And we were working on, after the release, getting the arms out straight. Because this particular athlete tended to get his arms to a little bent, not quite fully straight. And I was like, you know, push your handles away from you. And I was saying all of these encouraging things get your arms out straight and then it's wonderful what is the thing that is the insight and I said I want you to imagine I'm the beginner and you're the teacher and you've got to be really clear and demonstrate to
I think I lost Rebecca or one of us lost connection. There you are. So how far through did I drop out? Um, asking your student to demonstrate to you as if you were oh, the student. Yeah. So he starts doing this and he does it beautifully. And ever so slightly, he starts overtaking me. And I was I was sculling consistently. And in one stroke, he took three foot on me. Next stroke, another three feet. In three <laughs> strokes, he'd taken a half length off me. And he couldn't believe the change. And I said, no, no. I haven't changed anything. This is all you. And we had a very interesting discussion. <laughs> I think that's a great that's a great exercise though if you want to check if a if your students are listening to you and what their comprehension level is is you ask them to teach it back to you. Yeah. It is a great trick and it's one of those things, it's a little bit like getting into a boat behind someone who's more experienced and you're following them. And often people will say, you're really easy to follow. You know, and it's because your movements are almost exaggerated. They're very clear. They're very obvious. They're unambiguous. So what else is there about the body angle off the finish modeling that you want to focus on today should we move on to the forward angle bit now well i think another thing is making sure that you are sitting properly on the seat um and and we we've talked we've touched on this at, at other times but when you sit in neutral which is where you're going to start from you know you have to to make sure that you're up off your pockets and that you're kind of centered in the holes of the seat and your your pelvis is in neutral so then again when you rock back it, it's more of a pivoting motion and you're not dropping down that is something different like you're not dropping down onto your tailbone so you don't necessarily you don't want to have that position become so extreme that you're actually um tilting your pelvis too much when you get get to the finished position so you know you have to think about still sitting up kind of high over your sit bones and that's another cue to make sure that that lower back doesn't doesn't collapse and less is better than more because remember mm -hmm. the oar comes the oar stops propelling the boat at a certain point and it doesn't if you once you go beyond that your if your oar is in the water it must be working so yeah. there's no point in keeping the oar in the water if it's not propelling the boat. And that is a set release point. So your determining your finished position has to be relative to where your release point is. And there's absolutely no advantage to going beyond that. I absolutely agree with that. And one way to determine your finished position is to row and to take your oars out of the water when you can no longer feel the soles of your feet pushing on the foot stretcher. So time your finish off your feet, not off of how far can I lean back? Correct, correct. Because that doesn't actually really improve your length in the water. It doesn't improve your elect, uh, um, effective length because you need pressure on the blade to, to keep that weight up as well. Yeah. If you don't have pressure on the blade, everything's are gonna fall to the bow and we wanna catch 
the planing action of the boat. That's what we're after here. Now, when it comes to the forward angle, rocking forward off of the finish, conventional wisdom says rock forward the same angle that you rocked back, but there is definitely room for variability here. And the other thing is that you do not have to achieve all of your body rock forwards before you break your knees. Now, this is more style than technique, but if you slow down video of rowers, Generally speaking, a novice will get their arms straight, then they'll get their body over, then they'll break the knees and start to go up onto the slide. And it's a little bit, we used to call it rowing by numbers. Now, one, two, three. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to teach people. And self-evidently, these blend. For me, it's more important to get your arms fully extended before you rock your body over than for you to have your body fully rocked before you release your knees. And so, however, by the time you get to half slide and recovery, you must have your body set at the forwards angle. If you blend these, it doesn't help your rhythm. It doesn't help the stability in the boat. And it doesn't help the thing we were talking about earlier about allowing the bows to lift up so that the boat can plane. Yeah, I think I think arms extended is a really key factor um, because when when you look at also when you look at experienced and racing athletes this transition out of bow is going to be a little bit different depending what stroke rating they're at once they're at the higher stroke ratings you're going to see very you're going to see different types of forward body angle and when that happens out of bow because of the higher rates but making sure that the arms are extended is absolutely key because if you're if your arms aren't extended you're not going to be able to open up as wide when you're going to put the blades in the water and you know i, I think it leads to a whole a whole syndrome of of messing up the timing because if your arms if your arms are extended your arms are the same length hopefully every single stroke um, <sighs> and if they're not extended they can be different and we want things we want things as re repeatable and predictable as as we possibly can um so making sure that your arms are extended they're going to be the same length every stroke that's going to create some repetition that's going to be a predictable pattern um and and oftentimes if the arms are not fully extended you won't you won't see the body angle either yeah. And then that means you're rowing short. So uh, there's a, a terrible sort of ongoing sequence of consequences of getting one thing wrong that leads to another that leads to another. And so, Marlene, can you just suggest a cup, one drill that you would recommend for someone to do just so that they can find out for themselves whether or not they're getting this body angle off the finish correct? Well, there there is actually a... a exercise you can do on land which is called a seated rock back and this is um you can you could do this uh sitting on a swiss ball or sitting on a stool or sitting on a milk crate but something that's stationary um sit on it put your feet on the ground and the key is is you've got to make sure that your feet don't leave the ground and and this is that this is a core exercise actually so you can start at first with your arms in front of you and rock back 
and then rock forward as if you're doing like a limited, let's call it a limited sit up. It's, 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 it's a rock over type of a core exercise. You can train this finished position here because a, you're, you're using really using your core to stabilize and to maintain that your glutes maintain that lower back position. And you want, you need to rock back, but you must keep your feet on the floor, which is your foot stretchers. And then you, then you rock, you rock forward. And this is how you learn the pivot. And then you rock back and you can do sets of this, like 20 uh, repetitions, 30 repetitions, 40 repetitions. You do this hundreds of times when you're out rowing. So this is a very good exercise um, for low back stability and the glutes and um, you know, that that's easy to do on something stable. Uh, that's, that's one good exercise on the, on the ground. And, you know, in the boat, you're going to your rowing feet out is always a good, you know, that's a self-regulating drill for your, your finished position, not to lose that contact. Um, yeah. Or loose, loosen your shoe Velcro or, or, or boat ties. So your feet are in the shoes, but they're really super loose. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to do feet out, that's a sort of an intermediate position. Marlene, for your on land one, you said have your arms in front of you, and then you demonstrated crossing your hands and kind of holding them across your sternum. Is that what you mean? Well, you can, you can you can grade the exercise. The easiest way is first if your arms are out straight, and then you you do the rock back. Then mm. you can bring your arms here. This is going to add a little bit of a little bit more weight, you know, um, stress on your core. And then you, you can, then you can put the next one is up putting your hands up behind your neck and, and doing, and doing it that way and just working on that motion. And the key is maintain the lower, maintain the glutes, maintain your core, maintain the integrity of your lower back and keep your feet on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that progression. Fantastic. So if you have found anything today that you've enjoyed or has given you some insight that has been helpful for your rowing or your coaching, we encourage you to support the podcast with a monthly donation. Go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast and the subscription starts at $1 a month. We're extremely grateful to everybody who enables making this podcast happen and they have had in the past little surprise gifts from us to say thank you. Yeah. We would love if you could join us with that. So this has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio, the show dedicated to Masters athletes who want fun, fitness and confidence in their rowing. You can become a student of the sport by buying a Faster Masters Rowing program subscription today at fastermastersrowing.com forward slash join. Please tell your friends and we will see you next week. Till next time. Thank bye you. Bye.